We're starting a new series this morning, and the series is called What You Want Really, or What Do You Want? What do you really want in life? We're going to talk about that over the next few weeks and how to get that. Uh, what do you really want? I, I want to I know I want to know where I'm going in life. You ever feel that way? Uh, I want there to be less chaos and less conflict and less confusion and more fulfillment in my life. I want somebody to love me. You ever think about what is that? What do I really want? I want somebody to love me. I want my family uh, <clears throat> to get along better. I want my marriage relationship to improve. I want there to be less conflict, and more cooperation, more understanding. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better mom. I want to be a better husband or a better wife or a better boss or better whatever. Or, you know, I, I just want enough money to get by. I just want enough money to buy what I need. I don't have to be rich or anything of that nature. I just would like to not to be able to breathe a little bit financially. Uh, or I just want everybody to get along. And I don't know why there has to be so much fighting and conflict going on around me all the time, but I just like for everybody to get along. I, I just want things to be normal like they used to be when I didn't worry all the time. Never have been normal, but we, were, we think about it, don't we? They used to be normal, now they're not normal anymore. Or sometimes we just say to, my, to ourselves, I just want a little peace and quiet. You know, there's so much noise uh, going on in the world today. I just want a little peace and quiet. In other words, what we're saying is, I want my situation to change so that nothing threatens me, so, so that I don't wake up in the middle of the night or, or at some other time in the day, start worrying about what my future is like and what tomorrow's going to bring and who I am and whether or not I'm headed in the right direction. And I would submit to you that what we really want, and we're going to apply this particular concept to a lot of different areas of our lives in the coming week, but from, from God's point of view, I think what we really want is this word right here, the word peace. We want some peace in our life. Now, peace has a lot of definitions. I love this one, but it's a, uh, peace is a stress-free state. I'll just stop right there. That ain't going to happen, okay? But it's nice to think about a stress-free state, right? Peace is a stress-free state of security and calmness that comes when there's no fighting, no war, everything coexisting in perfect harmony and freedom. That has never happened on this planet since sin entered uh, the planet anyway. And by the way, if all those things happen, most of us could find something to worry about and disrupt our life anyway. Peace is freedom from disturbance, quiet and tranquility. When I read all these definitions, uh, most all the definitions of peace are based on circumstances. When everything around me gets to be the way I want it to be, then I will have peace. And of course, what we're talking about, uh, we're going to be talking about is inner peace, peace that's on the inside. Some, sometimes people refer to that as peace of mind. And there are certainly a lot of benefits uh, from that. You know, anxieties go, worries go, stress and fears go. We have more strength and that kind of thing. But our theme for the, uh, for the series is going to about, be about the peace that Jesus brings us and how that affects every area uh, of our lives. And, and the, the uh, theme verse that we're going to start with this morning uh, is, a, it, it is in a conversation that Jesus had 
with his followers shortly before he left the planet, shortly before he was betrayed and crucified. So he's meeting with his guys, and a big change is about to take place. They have been following with him for three years or so, and he is the guy. I mean, peace is in him. They didn't have to worry about anything happening because he took care of it all. He could do miracles. Uh, you know, he could strike people down uh, if he wanted to. He could heal people. He could raise the dead. You walk around with a guy like that, you tend, your worries kind of tend to, to go away. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed and on the evening before his crucifixion, part of his words began like this, and we read these words not too long ago. John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. So obviously, uh, in, in this talk that he's giving to his followers, uh, he's talking about inner peace, right? Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And, and see, he talks a lot about how I'm God, not me, but him, of course. And uh, I'm, I'm the Father. The Father and I are one. And, and a few weeks ago in a discussion of faith in ev and evidence one Sunday in December, we concluded with verse 11 in this same conversation, John 14, 11. Jesus said, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Faith is, we talked about how faith is based on evidence, and there is evidence that Jesus was here, that he was God, that he rose, died and rose from the dead. And then a few verses after that, Jesus makes this really important statement in verse 15, John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, love's always based on a choice. A lot of people think it's just all about a feeling. Feelings come, feelings go, love comes, love goes. But love is, always involves a choice. And loving God involves a choice to obey God to do the things that God says. And, and, and God's love for us is the motivation for his commandments. So if God tells us to do anything, it's all about love. It's all about the fact that he wants things to be better for us. And then in this same conversation, Jesus tells about how the Holy Spirit is coming. And the Holy Spirit will, will become the advocate that takes the place of Jesus. And then close to the end of this conversation, this lesson that he's giving them, Jesus makes the statement that will become the theme of what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. John chapter 14 and verse 27, where he said this, peace, I leave with you. He's getting ready to go, and it's not going to be very peaceful in the next 24 hours after he makes this particular statement, next three days after he makes the statement. It's not going to be very peaceful at all. Their whole world is about to get turned as upside down as life can become and this guy that was their their anchor and their rock is going to be beaten beyond recognition and then crucified and buried but he says peace I'm leaving but peace I'm leaving with you my peace we'll get back to that my peace that's important I give you I do not give to you as the world gives the world gives peace but I this is different do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So, a couple of things today. First of all, let me just quick you, quickly give you some truths about peace. Three quick things that we get from that scripture. Let's, let's begin with the definition of peace. Going back through the things that 
that uh, Jesus said in this chapter, we're going to define peace like this. Peace is that inner state of calmness and tranquility that comes from knowing that God is. God is real. Jesus is real. He is who he said he is. That God cares. You know, a lot of people believe in God, but they don't think God cares anything at all about them. God cares. God cares about you more than anybody else possibly could. Peace is that inner state of calmness and tranquility that comes from knowing that God is, that God cares, and that God will keep his promises to us. And if we really have confidence in that, it kind of takes away a lot of the fears and a lot of the pressures and a lot of the questions in life. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing that we learn from that uh, one verse of Scripture. That is, peace is a gift from God. Uh, some things we do are involved in that. We'll learn about it. But peace is a, a gift from God. Peace doesn't come from the circumstances that exist on this broken planet of ours because this broken planet does not allow for peace. Sometimes it enforces peace but does not allow for peace. Peace is a gift from God. And in a moment and for the rest of the series, we're going to talk about how we can receive that gift of peace. But Jesus said this in verse 27. We'll go back to John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Peace is a gift from God. I do not give it as to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Which brings us to the third truth I wanted to give you here is that God's peace is different from the world's peace, right? I don't give it to you in the same way. Now, the world does offer peace, but it's always based on circumstances. Uh, The world gives peace with bank accounts and retirement accounts. If you have some money, there's a certain amount of security and peace that comes with that because no matter what you do, it costs some money. But no matter how much money you have in the bank account or retirement account or an investment of some kind, it's never quite enough. And if your peace is based on that, you'll lose your peace. For instance, I kind of enjoy driving up to the gas pump right now and being able to buy gas for less than $2 a gallon. I can remember, well, you know, when that was 10 times what you should be paying for a gallon of gas, but, but I, I enjoy that. But if you start thinking about your retirement account and your investments, it's hard to pull up to the gas pump because that's bad for the economy. You know, that $1.89 or $1.99 a gallon or whatever, the economy would be a whole lot better if it was $4 a gallon, which is still cheaper than what uh, the Carters paid in Australia for a gallon, however it works out with liters, you know, that kind of thing. But the world does offer peace, and it, it's, it's real. The world gives peace with health insurance and life insurance and car insurance and insurance on the appliances in your house and insurance on your car if it breaks down. It's all about peace. You'll have peace if you'll just buy one of these insurance policies. The world offers peace in police protection and bomb shelters and and security systems and locks that you put on your doors and guns and many other things. 
The world says you have these, you'll have some peace. But each one of those is based on circumstances that can go away. Not only can they go away, they do go away. But we get to the real peace. And where real peace comes from, and here's the, the fourth truth that comes out of this verse of Scripture, and that's this one. The gift of peace. We're talking about how do you get the gift of peace? The gift of peace comes from a right relationship with God. That's the key idea for today, and that will be the key idea for the next few weeks. The gift of peace comes from a right relationship with God. Let's go back to that verse, John 14, 27. Jesus said this, peace I leave with you. And then there's that phrase, my peace, right? My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Jesus, my peace, my peace. Jesus said, I'm not just leaving you any kind of peace. I'm leaving you my peace. What peace did Jesus have? Well, Jesus, as God, was at complete peace with the Father, and he had complete peace in knowing that all the Father's plans were going to come true. Now, that didn't mean that everything went well for him. People beat him up. People talked bad about him. People eventually crucified him. It was the hardest thing that anybody has ever had to do, what Jesus did on the cross. But he had peace through it all because, number one, he knew that God is, and he was at complete peace with the Father. And number two, he knew that the Father would always keep his word. And that's the peace that God leaves for us. That's the peace that Jesus said, I leave this peace behind for you. Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross to pay the price of our sins, rose from the dead with power over hell and over death. And when we place our faith and trust in him, when we have confidence in the fact that Jesus is who he says he is and that he rose from the dead with power over hell and over death, he not only gives us the gift of eternal life, that's what we call salvation, but he also gives us his gift of peace. Now, two parts to God's gift of peace, Jesus' gift of peace that he leaves us. First of all, the first gift of his peace we call the peace of with God. We're no longer the enemy of God. The Apostle Paul, in his letter that he wrote to the church at Rome, put it like this, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, since we have trusted our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, since we have this confidence that we placed in him and we asked him to, to forgive us of our sins, we have this confidence that Jesus is God and that he rose from the dead on the third day. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That word justified means declared not guilty of our sin. Uh, it means that God looks at us and he just sees Jesus when he looks at us. That means we're no longer at war with God. Now, we're part of his family. We have all the benefits that come with being part of the family. The power and the protection of God belongs to us. And so this gift of God's peace that Jesus left behind for us begins with peace with God, begins with what we call salvation, begins with our faith that we have 
in the Father through Jesus Christ. The second gift of God's peace is what's called the peace of God or the peace that comes from God, the peace for everyday circumstances. Again, the Apostle Paul, this time in the letter that he wrote to the church at Philippi in northern Greece, says this. This is one of, if you're around here, this is one of our favorite passages of Scripture. Philippians 4, 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, anxiety is the opposite of peace, uh, but we're not talking about don't focus on things, don't be concerned about stuff so that you put all your effort into it. That's not what we're talking about. But don't worry yourself to death. Don't get so caught up in, in stuff that it paralyzes you and, and you just want to quit. Do not be anxious about anything, but here's what you should do. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The apostle says, in every circumstance, good and bad, be thankful to God for his goodness. Be, always be thankful. Start with that. In every circumstance, be thankful to God for his goodness in your life and ask him for wisdom and for help because you can't handle everything on your own. I can't, nobody can. You have two options. No matter what happens, you have two options. You can pray or you can worry. It's hard to do both at the same time. Two options. Uh, worry, I'll say again, is not the same as genuine concern. Uh, uh, the apostle is not saying, don't worry, be happy, just act like nothing bad ever happened. No, bad stuff does happen. And you don't ignore the bad stuff. And you don't ignore the responsibilities and uh, so on that, that you face. But what he's saying is in every situation you have two options. You can worry or you can pray. Now, I know how, I started to say I don't know how it is with you, but I do know how it is with you. It's just like it is with me. Sometimes it's hard to pray. It's easy to worry. Easy to worry. Sometimes it's hard to pray. Uh, so discipline yourself and just pray. Sometimes you, sometimes you, uh, uh, you know, you, you just can't think of what to say. Sometimes you can't even say anything. All you do is cry or cry out to God. Do that. Discipline yourself to do that. I think it was somewhere after one o'clock this morning. I'm not sure. All I know is I looked at the clock and the, not an 11, but the first number on the clock was a one. So sometime after one o'clock, I thought about, I woke up and I thought about something that could cause me some trouble. I'm gonna say what that is. But I thought about something that I had done that might cause me some trouble. And I thought, oh man, why did I do that? But then I thought, well, I can't change it. Probably not that big deal. But I had a decision to make then. One o'clock this morning, I, I could have just, I mean, I know what I can do. And I've done it plenty of times. I could have just focused on that thing and get out of bed and walk circles around the house and, and, you know, and give up on life, just on something that, just a thought that came from my mind. But, I, I, and if I'd done that, I wouldn't tell you about it. But since I didn't, I did the right thing. I'm going to tell you about it. So I, what I did was I just prayed about it. And I said, you know, God, this is not that big a deal, and I can't do anything about it anyway, so here it is, and I'm going back to sleep. And I did. And so he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. And here's what's going to happen, verse 7. And the peace of God. This is a little different. The peace with God is I'm on God's side now. I'm in God's family, God's power, God, you know, everything is on my side now. This is the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The result of regularly giving your concerns to God in prayer is a peace that comes only from God and that goes beyond our ability to understand how we could be peaceful in this situation when people are looking at us and saying, how are you doing that? Verse 8, the first word is finally, finally. By the way, here that word finally means here's what you need to do. Here's the next thing you need to do. Here's what else you need to do. Finally, brothers and sisters, in Christ that is, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, all these good things. Second half of the verse says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Here is what else you need to do. First, dwell on the good and positive things. Don't continually fear failure. One o'clock this morning, I could have dwelled on the negative, right? I could have dwelled on what possibly might go wrong in my life. Doesn't mean ignore the bad stuff, but hey, there wasn't anything else to be done about that. So dwell on, instead of dwelling on and churning about the problems you have, take care of those things that need to be taken care of, but dwell on positive things. So first dwell on good and positive things. Don't dwell on your failures. And then, verse 9, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Do whatever you know is the right thing to do. It's hard to do the right thing. It's like worry or pray. It's a lot more fun to worry lot easier to worry but instead I should pray whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you so first uh, you give your life to Christ uh, by faith in Jesus and then uh, you do the right thing you do what God says. Now we're going, not peace with God, but the peace of God in all circumstances comes through prayer and obedience to God. You turn it over to God and then you just do the right thing. That's going to be our theme for a while. You turn it over to God and then you do the right thing. When Jesus first came into this world, we, I'm going to just connect this to Christmas before we leave it for the last time. When Jesus first came into the world, the angels said this in Luke 2.14, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. On whom does God's favor rest? Well, his favor rests on those who have a relationship with him through their faith in Jesus Christ. The peace that comes from God in all circumstances is available to those on whom his favor rests through prayer and obedience. So here's what we're going to do for the next few weeks. We're going to think about those principles, right? Think about that principle that the peace of God in all circumstances comes through prayer and obedience to God. And for the next 
few weeks under the title that we've been using, what do you really want? Or what you really want and how to get it. We're going to proceed. God is our creator and he is our designer. The creator and the designer of anything knows more about it than anybody else does. God knows what's best for us in every area of our life. We know what we want. God knows what we need. So think about this. We are designed and created by God. We're flawed. The original was not, but we're flawed, but we're designed and created by God. We can only be right and find peace in whatever circumstance in our life when we do things the way God designed us to do them. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to apply this principle of peace in at least three areas. First of all, family peace. We all want our families to be right. I mean, nothing more important on the earth. You know, God first, because that makes everything else better. Family peace, and we're going to talk about financial peace. And we're going to talk about job peace. We're going to take these principles today, these simple principles, and we're going to apply them in different areas of family peace, financial peace, and job peace. And I hope that you and others, you know, will come around, will be here so that we can talk about these things together. And as we enter the new year, make these important things in our lives. Family, nothing more important than family. Finances, there's nothing that can ruin stuff any more than bad finances. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And uh, we all either have a job or used to have a job. So we're going to talk about that just a little bit too. Let's bow our heads together and pray. Father, I know that you're here with us today because you promised to be. And I know you keep your promises. So you're here and we're honored to be in your presence and we want to acknowledge that. <clears throat> and I thank you that Jesus came lived the perfect life, died to pay the price of our sins, rose with power over hell and over death, and that in addition to the gift of eternal life, he leaves us the gift of peace. We want that gift. We live in a world of turmoil. We live in a, a world of war. We live in a world of, of natural disaster. But we want the peace that Jesus promises as your gift. And so we ask you to guide us and give us wisdom in that area. Jesus' name, amen.